Hi and welcome to the Very Short Introductions podcast. From creativity to slang and modern drama to psychopathy, we'll showcase a concise and original introduction to a wide range of subjects, wherever your curiosity may take you. So here is today's very short introduction. I'm Andrew Copson and I wrote Secularism, a very short introduction. Secularism, in the sense that I write about it in the book, refers to a certain way of organising politics and governance and the ordering of community life. It's a way that separates religion from politics, religious institutions from political institutions, but it's much more than that as well. And it's a topic of extreme current importance, as we can see all over the world, where religion and politics are getting mixed together in all sorts of new and unfortunately very old ways. I first got interested in secularism probably as a result of my academic background, which mainly dealt in ancient history and in modern history, history since the Enlightenment. And the way that politics is ordered in those situations is very different from the politics of the age of Christendom. And that stimulated my interest, I think, from a a historical point of view. But my main involvement in secularism has been as an activist. I'm chief executive of Humanist UK, one of the largest secularist campaigning organisations in the world, and have been president of Humanist International, which is an umbrella body for secularist activists all over the world, and spent the last 20 years going from conference to conference, from parliament to parliament, working not just with the principles and hypothetical questions of secularism, but with the real life practical consequences. And that's really what stimulated me to want to write about that. And uh, quite a lot of the books in the very short introduction series, of course, are by um, practitioners, people who are involved in the fields that they're writing about, um, not just uh, in academic study, but in real life. The most important thing about secularism to convey in this book for me was what it is and what it isn't. And a lot of people think that secularism is somehow anti-religious, that it's going to push religion out of public spaces, public life, That's not what it's about. Of course, there are lots of different definitions in the world, and some people have used the concept to mean that. But the secularism that we see in state constitutions, the secularism that is campaigned for by secularist activists, the secularism that is treated as a matter of statecraft in secular states is quite different. This secularism is about separating religious institutions from state institutions and making sure there isn't any domination of one by the other. But it's also about the state maximising freedom of conscience, freedom of thought, freedom of religion or belief for everyone, regardless of their religion or belief, up to only up to the rights and freedoms of others. And it's also about the state treating equally every person within its borders, regardless of religion or belief. So a secular state isn't one that pushes people's religion out of, of, of public and private life. It's a state that actually seeks to protect the practice of whatever religious or non-religious worldview you might have, subject only to the limitations that are imposed by the rights and freedoms of others to to their beliefs and to to practice them. I think that was, you know, a a really important misconception about secularism that I wanted to counter. The other thing about the book and about secularism in general is that people can sometimes think it's a very Western or very modern concept. Now, it's true that secular states as we know them were only established in the last couple of centuries or so. But in fact, the ideas that inform secularism are found um, all over the world in the ordering of politics in in ancient India and in many other places too. And 
the secular states that I looked at specifically in this uh, very short introduction were, were quite diverse. We looked at France, of course, a secular republic that everyone knows uh, as almost the, the banner-waving state for, for secularism. But we also looked at India, a secular republic that not everyone instantly thinks of when they think about secularism. We looked at the United States and then at various other smaller secular states around the world and in history um, that offer a more diverse perspective on uh, on the idea of secularism, what it is. And that's interesting because there are different types of secularism, even within the states that might seem plausibly similar. You know, in, in France, secularism has the sort of character of, of trying to keep people safe from religion, public life safe from religion. In America, it's completely different. American secularism is more about keeping religion safe from the state. And in India, different again, you know, the secularism there is a secularism of diversity, trying to keep everyone safe from each other in a very plural society and mediate difference um, in a very diverse uh, nation state. So the diversity of secularism was, was very important. And the other thing that I wanted to do with the book and, 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 and try to do, although this is very difficult because when you're writing a book at any particular time, you're writing about the snapshot of the world as it is. But I tried to do this as, as contemporary and as timeless as possible, is to give an indication of the principal debates around secularism. And there are so many, you know, um, secularism in education, incredibly controversial. Should we have religious schools within, within the state? Should schools be run by religious organisations? What should state schools teach about religion and non-religious worldviews? Censorship and freedom of speech, you know, to what extent is offence a harm that we might want to protect people from? Um, you know, liberal democracy in a secular state. To what extent is it just the price of living in in, in freedom? And a huge range of issues uh, like that: religious dress in public life, religious political parties, the intrusion of religion into life and death issues like abortion or assisted dying. So much at stake in the big debates of the world today about our freedom of choice and our freedom of thought and our freedom of speech have to do with secularism. As well as the history of secularism and the real life examples of secular states today, I wanted to look at the arguments for and against secularism that people make, that they make in real life and that they've made academically. And this was a very interesting part of, of, of the writing, actually, because um, there was so much new research that I hadn't looked at for, for quite some time that uh, to get on top of and really engage with. And that was fascinating, really, because the the field of, of, of political science, of course, is very fast changing. It, um, changes just as fast, if not sometimes faster, as real-world uh, situations in constitutions and states. The arguments for secularism are pretty much universal, as in they're the same arguments made by secularists pretty much everywhere in the world and at every period in time, you know, whether they're secularists in France in the 18th century or secularists in India in the, in, in the 20th century. Um, they're often making the same sorts of arguments, and the case for secularism rests really on, on just three or four uh, convictions. One is that secularism is the best way to maintain freedom, that it's only if the state is committed to an impartial, um, objective treatment of different religions or beliefs that the individual will really be free, totally free, I mean, uncoerced by any uh, aspect of, um, of outmoded law or state control or conformity, free to pursue their own idea of the good life, of the life well lived. And that's an important uh, premise of secularism. The second is that secular state is the best way to achieve fairness. You know, if you live in a state where you can't get a job in government unless you're a Christian, or you can't become a teacher in school unless you're a Muslim, 
or if you think about some of the atheist states that we've seen in the world in the past, you know, you can't um, take part in public life unless you declare your allegiance to Marxist atheist materialism. You know, you, that is not a fair society. Um, people can't change their beliefs. Um, it's not an act of will, whether you're a Christian or not. It's something that, you know, you might research things and change your mind, but you can't will your yourself to change. It's a, it's a semi-immutable characteristic. And so I think we're all pretty comfortable with the idea that things like that, like race or sex um, or disability or sexual orientation, are, are, are areas where we shouldn't discriminate. And if we do, it's not fair. So a secular society, its advocates argue, is, is a fair um, state. And the third thing is an argument for peace. It's a sort of pragmatic argument. Secularists say, look what happens. You know, look at the blood-drenched soil of Europe and Asia as a result of states picking a side in the last few hundred years in religious questions. The only way, the better way that we can live together in peace is if the state doesn't do that, if we take the sting out of these theological um, disagreements by making the state not pick a side in those things, that's a better way to live together. So that's a sort of pragmatic argument, but there are arguments of principle and, and pragmatism for secularism. The arguments against secularism are more diverse. Um, you get arguments from theocrats, people who actually believe, if you look like at the Taliban in Afghanistan uh, at, at the moment, um, or the Iranian uh, Islamic uh, Republic, or, or Christian theocracies of the past. There are people who actually believe that their God has told them how to live, not just in their personal life, but in their public life, the life of their community, and that it's the role of the state to simply apply the rules that God has given. You know, so that's a theocratic argument against secularism that's, that's less common today than it was in the past, but still unfortunately too common. But there are many other arguments as well. There's multiculturalist argument against secularism. You know, there are people who say secularism is too focused on the individual and their freedom and, and, and treating individuals fairly. But in fact, society is composed of communities and it's at the community level that we should be impartial. So, of course, we should allow state schools of different religions and for people to um, be able to um, impose their religion on their children, for example, in different ways, because um, we need a, a, a plural multicultural state. That's a common argument against secularism. And then there are traditionalist sort of conservative arguments against secularism. You know, this nation is a Christian nation, or in the case of India today, increasingly, this nation is a Hindu nation. You know, um, nativist, ethno-nationalist arguments that don't support the sort of civic philosophy that underpins secularism, but instead see the nation as being an ethnic uh, construct rather than a, um, a political a political one and a legal one. So there's a broad range of arguments for and against. I actually probably enjoyed writing the chapter of arguments against secularism the most because it gives you a chance to engage with ideas that are really quite uh, alien to your own and try and treat them impartially, which I hope I did. Although secularism is so important, it's a fundamental and pivotal importance in the maintenance of liberal democratic rule of law systems in the world. It's not typically as well known as some of those other concepts that uphold those freedoms, like human rights or the rule of law itself. Secularism is neglected, and it shouldn't be. We need to read more about it, we need to learn more about it, we need to debate it, we need to discuss it, we need to come to see it as of pivotal importance again for world civilization. I think that's why people should be interested in it and hopefully um, will want to learn more. Thank you for listening to the Very Short Instructions podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to receive new episodes directly to your podcast feed. 
all of our episodes, new and old, can also be found on SoundCloud and YouTube at OUP Academic.